0: to be. what should i gain in your-
1: God be the glory. Thank you, Rob. We are in part five of our series called Right in Your Eye. And the series has been different in the sense that we're not doing what I would typically do. I like to take a book of the Bible and work through kind of in a at least halfway systematic way, chapter by chapter. And um, But we have been actually jumping around. The first lesson of our series. We went to the last chapter of Judges, and then we've bounced around, taken in some of the book of Joshua. Uh, Then we've ended up generally with a collaborating scripture in the New Testament. And uh, I don't want to get too predictable. I don't want you to figure me out here. I want to keep you on your toes. Now, for next week's lesson, just to illustrate how unpredictable we are in this series, we're going to be in the book of Ruth. And it would be helpful if you would read the entire book of Ruth. Now don't panic on me, it's short. Uh, You can probably read it a couple of times, but if you do read it, why it will help you uh, kind of be prepared for next week's lesson. Meanwhile, back at the ranch today, we're going to jump into our lesson of Judges chapter 6, and then we're going to fly over to the New Testament book of Romans chapter 8 at the very end of our study. Now, each week, I I haven't had time to do a full review, but I've just been reminding you that the book of Judges covers about 330 years from the time that Israel went into the promised land up to the point when they became a monarchy or when they went to a system of kings. And during these three centuries, there were 12 different judges in the book of Judges. Uh, and, and, And God would raise up these judges, not as kings, but to help make sure that the law stayed in front of the people. Last week, we covered the most famous famous judge, and some people don't know he's a judge. Uh, You know the name, but we talked about Samson. Today, we will cover the judge that is probably the second best known judge behind Samson. His name was Gideon. Now, here's why Gideon's story is so important, because he was just a regular guy. Gideon makes me feel so much better about myself. Gideon had no extra special talents. He he had no higher education. He had no leadership experience. He had no background in the ministry. He had no wealth backing him. He had no royal blood in him. But yet God chose him just as a regular ordinary guy for a super important mission that would change the direction of the entire country of Israel. So here's how the story goes. And and by the way, before we go there, uh, I I hope that you read Judges chapter 6 this past week. And and if you did, you probably noticed that the story of Gideon didn't stop in chapter 6. So this week I would like for you to read along with Ruth. I would like for you to read chapter 7 and on into chapter 8 just a little bit. Now, I won't be dealing with this part of the story at all. Not this week, not next week. But you need to know the rest of the story. Most pastors in the past, I've I've almost always focused on the the part of Gideon's story, which was kind of like the grand finale. But again, I like to keep you off balance. And so today... We're going to focus on another aspect of Gideon that I think needs our full attention. And I've never had this impressed upon me so vividly like it has been this week. And and I'm excited to share with you, but we're not going to study the grand finale. You need to do that on your own. And and by the way, I'm I'm not preaching yet. I'll tell you when the message actually begins. Most of what you learn from God's word, listen, most of what you learn from God's word should really come from your study at home. That's right. If you rely on Sunday mornings to be fed and learn from God's Word, you're going to be at about a kindergarten level in your knowledge of the Word. Maybe preschool. Maybe toddler. Uh, because 30 minutes is about what you know our study is today. Out of a possible, what is 168 hours a week, that's not sufficient. So you need a system at home... Where you study, where you learn, and then of course apply the truth to your life. And uh, when you come to church, this should be kind of like the cherry on top. Just a little dessert. But you've already been studying. You've been digging. You've been learning. You've been applying at home. Okay, I'm ready to start the message now, just so you know. Here's the backstory story leading up to Gideon. Judges chapter 6, verse 1. Again, catch that, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Now, just a little history here. The the Midianites were very, very distant cousins of the Israelites. They did not get along. In fact, they had been feuding for many years. And and during this particular time in history, and it kind of went back and forth. But during this particular time in history, uh, the Midianites had the upper hand. And they were just flat out making life miserable for the Israelites. Verse 2. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. So they had made life so miserable for Israel that they had to scatter. They left their cities. They fled to the mountains. They were living in in, in caves. They they had put up shelters that kind of blended in uh, unnoticed in the mountainous area where they had fled. And here's a glimpse of the cruelty of the Midianites. Verse 3. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land. They ruined the crops all the way to Gaza. Did not spare a living thing for Israel. Neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished, the Israelites, that they cried out to the Lord for help. Now, the question comes up, uh, Where, why were God's chosen people going through this terrible time? Where was God? Well, before they moved into the promised land, they had been given specific instructions to not copy the local pagan religious practices. But that's exactly what they had done. They began worshiping the same gods as the Midianites. And and so as a method of discipline to wake up the people of Israel, God allowed the Midianites to be a thorn in their side. So they had come, destroyed their crops. They had killed their livestock. They had taken over the land. As the Bible says, swarms of men that came in with their camels. They couldn't even count them all. This went on for seven long, long years. But finally... Do you ever, by the way, do you ever wonder why you go through tough times? Maybe, maybe it's the Lord trying to wake you up. And these seven long years of suffering brought Israel to its knees. And they did what they always did. They said, God, if you'll come to our rescue, we promise we'll never do this again. Never, ever, 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 ever do this again which then introduces us to Gideon, verse 11. The angel of the Lord came, sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, most of us here, even if we were raised on a farm, we've never threshed wheat. Uh, But what they would do, and I've been in other countries where they still do it this way, they would take some kind of an object, a, a stick that would have kind of a flat head to it, and and what they would do is, is is they would use this to kind of beat the wheat. And they would try to knock the the, the chaff or the husks off of the, the, the kernel of wheat. And then they would somehow, you know, kind of pitch it up in the air. And uh, the wind would blow away the chaff, the husks, and the heavier kernels of wheat would fall back down onto a cloth or canvas that they had spread out. And again, if, if you've been to other countries, why they still do it this way. But anyway, to effectively get rid of the husks and the chaff, you need to be where there's some airflow. But did you notice where Gideon was threshing wheat? In a wine press. Wine presses were typically below the surface of the ground. Maybe in a hole, sometimes in a valley, or sometimes even in a building. And of course the reason was that Gideon was in uh, a wine press, was to try to stay out of the line of sight of the Midianites, so he could preserve what little bit of wheat the Midianites hadn't already stolen or destroyed. Well, while Gideon is in this wine press, an angel shows up, and let's listen in on the conversation here. Verse twelve: When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, "The Lord is with you, mighty warrior." Now, think about this seriously. Gideon is acting like anything but a mighty warrior. He's hiding. He's working out of sight for fear that he might be killed or that his wheat would be stolen. And so when the angel appeared to Gideon and said, Hey, mighty warrior, Gideon probably thought, uh, Mr. Angel, representative of God, you must not be talking to me because if you haven't noticed I'm hiding, You don't thresh wheat in a wine press. You need to be in an open area where there's plenty of breeze and I'm hiding. So when you called me mighty warrior, I'm sorry, but I think your GPS led you to the wrong place because I'm anything but a mighty warrior. Now, before we continue, this is really important for all of us. I said this lesson is important because most of us can relate to regular, ordinary Gideon. And this is where some of you possibly are right now. You're like Gideon, and, and if God would show up, send His angel, and show up to you today and say, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior, you would be like, Oh, I don't think so. I mean, have you not been paying attention? <laughs> Do you not know how long it's been since I've opened my Bible? Um, do you not know that I've got some bad habits in my life? Do you not know about the major fight that I had with my husband or wife this past week? We're not even talking to each other right now. Do do you not know what I did last night? It was anything but holy. God, I've drifted drifted from you and from those commitments that I made at youth camp or revivals where God did a wonderful work in my life and I wonder if God would show up that way to us if we wouldn't say, Oh, God, I don't come close to being a mighty warrior. Well, Gideon's response is so like us. He argues with the angel. And and, and he says this in verse 13, But sir, in other words, pardon me, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? In other words, if God is with us, why have we been under the oppressive hand of the Midianites for these seven long years? Now, here's a reality check. We've all asked this question in our own way. We've all said, or at least thought, God, if you're a good and loving God, why don't you take better care of me? God, if, if you really love me, why am I trapped at this job that I hate? Or, or God, if you really love me, like you say you do, why am I still single? Or God, if you're such a loving God, why have you allowed my kids to turn out like they did? Or God, if you truly care for us, why did you allow this disease or this depression or this divorce or this addiction to come into my family? Why? 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 God, if if you're good, why the bad? And so Gideon, about 3,300 years ago, he's asking God, where have you been? If you're so loving... Why have you allowed this to happen to our country? Well, he continues on. He says, where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? In other words, I I know God delivered our nation out of Egypt, but I, I, I know that, but that was a long time ago. What about now? Where are you now, God? Because he says, but now the Lord has abandoned us. He said, yeah, I know what he did years ago, but he's abandoned us. He's put us into the hands of the Midianites and So God, regardless of what you did in the good old days, looks like you don't care anymore, or you don't have any power, or you're distracted. So Mr. Angel, I I know you're just delivering a message from God, but in case you haven't figured it out, my attitude is bad. I question God's goodness and fairness. I never feel His presence anymore. I'm not where I should be in my walk with God. So suffice it to say, I'm not a mighty warrior listen to how God answered him in verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. And am I not sending you? Now, in a perfect world, where Gideon would have responded perfectly, he would have thrown down his tools, he would have stood up tall and boldly with his shoulders back, walked out saying, Let's go kick some Midianites. I scared you a little bit, didn't I? But Gideon was just like us; he has so many doubts. he feels so distant from God, and he just keeps on arguing in verse fifteen but Lord. Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. So remember, Israel was divided up into 12 tribes and Gideon was from the tribe of Manasseh. So he said, God, I'm from Manasseh. They're not a leading tribe of Israel. And and so my tribe is weak. My family's weak. I'm weak. We're all just a bunch of nobodies. I personally am the least of all the nobodies in my whole tribe. Today we might say it this way. God, God, I I don't have much going for me. You know, I did go to high school, but I was in the half that made the top half look really good. (laughs) Or God, I don't have much influence. I'm I'm not a leader, or God, I don't have much money, I'm barely above the poverty line. Or or God I still use a flip phone. Or I finally did get a Facebook account, but I have the grand total of three Facebook friends, and they're all family members that feel sorry for me. So, God, I'm a nobody, and here you come telling me I'm a mighty warrior, and I'm supposed to go out and save my entire nation? I don't think so. Well, after Gideon argues with God, God answers back and said, Okay, Gideon, you're right. I'm at the wrong house. You are a nobody. I messed up. I'm sorry to bother you. Is that what he said? No. No. God didn't say that. And what comes next? Oh, I pray God would help me to get this across. And if you haven't been paying attention, please check back in with us, okay? What comes next is so powerful. In fact, as your pastor, there are those moments when I just think, oh God, one by one, starting with me. Could you just open our eyes for 30 seconds? You know, when I hear someone tell their story of how they came to Christ and almost always their story includes a statement about a time when it was like their eyes came open. And they came to the realization that God knows my name and and this big, huge God that created the heavens and the earth and is all powerful. This God loves me personally. And he didn't just send his son Jesus to die for the sins of the whole world, but he sent him to die for my sins And many times in that testimony, there's that expression of, now I know. Now I know that God has a plan for my life. He has a plan for my relationships. He has a plan for my money. He has a plan for my expressions of intimacy. God is interested in all of that. He has a plan for me. And and that's the type of moment that Gideon is having with God. And God says, come on, Gideon. I know you can't feel me right now. I know you can't see me. I know you're struggling spiritually. I know you're questioning my fairness, my goodness. I I know your attitude is bad. I know you have darkness surrounding you. But the Lord answered in verse 16, I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites together. And right there, that verse answers a question that ought to change our lives because it helps us to see that the real question is not, God, will you be with me? Because we know He will. God will never leave us nor forsake us. But the real question is this, will I be with God? And that's the question for all of us. Mom, dad, high school student, small business owner, big shot, little shot, rich, not so rich, middle class. Or maybe you have no class at all. The question is, are you with God? And so God says, Gideon, Gideon, I'm with you. In fact, I've been with the nation all 300 years of this ongoing saga, but here's the question that Gideon needed to settle. Was he with God? And here's the defining moment in Gideon's life. I don't know why this, I don't know why it's taken me so long for me to just understand this part of God's word. But as God called Gideon to the special task of delivering the people from the Midianites, you know, God did not say, okay, Gideon, I'm about to give you some extraordinary talent where you will amaze people with your abilities and leadership. Or he didn't say, you know what, I'm going to make you like Samson with amazing strength. Neither did he say, okay, Gideon, I'm going to give you the gift of public speaking where you can sway, you can motivate people, and you'll fire them up to rise up against the Midianites. Yeah, he didn't say, Gideon, I'm going to make you into a superhero. Here's what God said. This is so powerful. You know, if you're not a regular person, this is not for you. But for the regular people, this is for you. All God said was, Gideon... As you continue to be a regular guy, I will be with you. The only thing I'm asking is that you're with me. And that's all that God is asking of us. You know, God probably, God probably is not going to change any of us into superheroes. He won't give us supernatural strength like he gave Samson. He won't all of a sudden give us new skills and, and talents. He probably won't change us all of a sudden into dynamic leaders. But what God does is take regular people like, like you, like me, and he says, I'll be with you, but you need to be with me. And when we do that, then He can take ordinary people, regular people, and empower us for something beyond ourselves. You know, when I think about the needs and the weaknesses of this church, and there are so many, I, I don't believe that the greatest need of this church, however, is for more talent. I don't believe that the greatest need is for better musicians. I don't believe that the greatest need for this church is better teachers. And you may disagree with me here, but I don't believe that the greatest need for this church is for better preachers. I know we could always do better, and you could find those who are better pastors, better preachers. I'm not denying that. But I believe the greatest need we have as a church is for us as regular, ordinary people to yield to God and let Him work through us through whatever way He chooses. God said, Gideon, I will be with ordinary you. And what I find so fascinating, it's just amazing how God's word ties together. But what I find fascinating is that 1,300 years after this story, another Jewish man would write to the Christians in Rome. And by the way, Rome, Rome today is okay. But Rome back then was not a safe place for Christians. I mean, there was a guy by the name of Nero, Study Nero. He didn't take kindly to those who gave their allegiance to Jesus. Ultimately, he caused the death of Peter and Paul. But to a group of persecuted Christians in Rome, the Apostle Paul wrote this as well as he was writing it to us. He says, Romans 8.31, if God is for us, can you finish that for me? Who can be? against us it's almost the same thing that God said to Gideon Gideon I know you don't think of yourself as a mighty warrior and I know things aren't going well for your country and I know you're struggling with your attitude and I know the last thing you're thinking is mighty warrior but but I'm telling you Gideon God is with you and isn't it fascinating that 1300 years later the apostle Paul would say almost the exact same thing to us if God is for us who can be against us And uh, I, I find something really interesting. Try to track with me here. As, as you read the Scripture, after Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us, it almost appears that at this point, it hits him that those people in Rome who would read this letter might say, hey, Paul, wait a minute. Did you forget we live in Rome? I mean, Nero's lighting us up. He's burning us up and he's feeding us to the animals. Things are so terrible. So how do we know that God is really for us? And it sure doesn't sound like it. Almost exactly what Gideon said. I mean, it's like God has abandoned us. Things are so bad. How do we know God is with us? It's almost like Paul knew that we would ask that question. And so listen to what he says after he says, if God is for us, who can be against us there in verse 32, he says, he who did not spare his son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also doing, uh, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And so how can you live every day and know that God is for you? Well, it's not by looking around at the Midianites, It's not by looking at your job. It's not by looking around at our culture or our country. It's not by looking around at the hypocrites. It's not by looking around at all the bad things happening in the world or even in your family. Rather, you can wake up every day with confidence that God is is for you. He knows your name. He loves you. Because 2,000 years ago, he sent his son to pay the price for your sin. That's how valuable you are to God. In fact, let me give you a quick lesson on finance. We'll call this Finance 101. The value of a thing is the price it will bring. Hang with me. You want to know how valuable something is? Put it on eBay or Craigslist. You'll find out. You know, price it. Keep dropping the price until somebody buys it. Then you'll know how valuable it is. The value of a thing is the price it will bring. And the Apostle Paul was saying to all of us, you are so valuable to God as a person that He equated you with the price of His Son. So wake up every day and live to that kind of value. So... uh, God basically said, Gideon, I know you aren't where you should be. I know your attitude stinks. I know you're questioning my fairness and goodness. I know you need to do better. I know, I know. But listen, you are a mighty warrior because God is with you. And you know how Gideon responded while he's scared to death. He begins to take some baby steps towards becoming a mighty warrior. And Gideon places his confidence in God. Look what he did. Verse 25. That same night the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal. Cut down the Asherah pole beside it. So Gideon took ten of his servants, did as the Lord told him, But because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. But he did it. You know, the same Gideon that questioned God's goodness, the same Gideon that had felt that God had abandoned them, the same Gideon that had a bad attitude, he destroys an altar to Baal. And in a sense, this was a baby step. But in another sense, it was a giant leap, giant leap. Because this brought Gideon back to worshiping God Almighty instead of the God of Baal. And that simple act of destroying that idol set in motion God's plan to deliver the Israelites. It involved weeding out a large army. It involved putting out some fleeces. It involved trumpets and jars. It involved a great victory over the enemy. It's a fascinating story, but again, not our focus. You're going to have to read about that on your own. But our focus today has been a man with a bad attitude who questioned God, who strayed from God. But when God said, I am with you, Gideon, Gideon finally said, God, I'm with you too. Here's been my prayer for this week. Oh God, God, would you open our eyes to see that God is with us? And here's been my prayer that if if we struggled in our walk with God, if we've quit reading our Bibles, if we've quit praying, if we've quit serving, if we've gone back into some areas of sin. if our attitude stinks, my prayer has been that we would come back to him and say, thank you God for assuring me that you're with me. And here's been my prayer that we would say now, God, I want to proclaim to you, I'm with you. And when that happens, God will begin to work in mighty ways Using us, regular, ordinary, flawed, bad attitude people, but he will begin using us for his honor and glory to make a difference in our world. So this morning, if you're Gideon, <laughs> bad attitude. You question God's fairness. You struggle with everything that's happened in your family. Wondering why there are so many hypocrites in the church. Would you understand? God is still with you. And he's asking you to take some baby steps to come back to him. And so I think this is just a call to commitment. If you've slacked off in some areas, this is a call to come back. Come back to the fire. Would you bow your heads, please? God, I thank you for this lesson. I really needed it. Maybe nobody else did, but... Lord, I believe that there are several here today that... Probably are like Gideon. They've got a bad attitude. They've questioned God's fairness. There's just the darkness in their life right now. They don't feel God. Lord, I pray that right now you would just begin wrapping your long loving arms around them. Lord, I pray that you would begin talking to them and just assuring them that you're with them. You're with them. You're with them. And Lord, thank you. Really, really impacted me that with Gideon, whenever he argued with the angel, that he was never chastised, but God just listened to him very patiently. And then He assured him that I'm with you. So Lord, even when we have those bad attitudes, yet thank you that you don't just put us on the burn pile Lord God wanted God wanted Gideon to come back so Lord if we've strayed away I pray that we would come back to you even though Lord it's not about doing we can't do things to get to heaven but Father there are certain things that once we get our heart right with you just some disciplines in our life that help us to really stay healthy spiritually And so, God, for those that maybe have quit reading their Bibles, Lord, for those that maybe have quit praying meaningful prayers, for those that have gotten their eyes on people and hypocrites and quit looking at you, and, Father, I pray that we would just lift our eyes back to you, to Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we would be... Regular, ordinary people that are so filled with the presence of God where you can use us in amazing ways so God I just ask that you would be with us this week bring us back bring us back to your presence I pray this in your name heads bowed eyes closed is there somebody that would just lift a hand and say Pastor God really spoke to me would you just pray for me thank you I see your hand is there anybody else thank you I see your hand I see your hand in your hand Your hand, your hand, your hand. Lord, you know these hands that represent needs, the hurts, the frustrations. Lord, I pray that this week that we would just all find ourselves coming back. That we'd be in close communion with you. Lord, would you do something just with regular people like us from Cedar County may not have a lot going for us but Lord it doesn't matter because you're with us and when you are with us we're mighty warriors so Lord I pray that this week just give us a glimpse of you again open our eyes to who we are in Christ Jesus Lord we ask this in Jesus name Amen. Just uh, one more thing before we go. And if anybody would like to pray, you know, feel free to contact us and, uh, or staff member or someone that you've got confidence. And uh, just make sure that uh, you get it resolved. But again, we've got a card for you, two verses. We've already gone over those uh, in, in, in Judges as well as the book of Romans. And so the assignment here is the same. Read these out loud a couple of times a day for the next week. And let's be praying that God will continue to do, do work in, in, in our church here. Thank you. You're dismissed.
0: This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs.